Hello, all you P3 fans out there. This is your reigning, defending, undisputed, choo-choo-chooserweight champion of the P3 podcast. I am Puta Bard, baby. And also, I'm the back-end editor for all these kind of things, putting them together, uploading them, all the technical jiggery-pokery that we like to deal with and uh, that you need to deal with when you're doing a podcast. And you might notice... This is not a standard episode this week. Uh, We're all out and about, still getting over sicknesses, and just very busy people. However, our very own Mr. Tiger, this is where you all yell uppercut. Bomb Tom has an interview with one Lola Bradbury from Rise Wrestling. Okay, so this is going to be something really special and very cool and hoping we can do more interviews like this as we go forward. But until next week, when you actually hear from us four jerks all in the same room together, proverbially, well, in the in the digital space, we'll all be in the same room together because I live far away from them and. I miss them and long for that. Anyway, let's get to the interview with Tiger Bomb Tom and Rise Wrestling's Lola Bradbury. Enjoy. You're listening to the Pittsburgh Piledriver Podcast. All right, guys, Tiger Bomb Tom here, and I've got with me today uh, from independent company Rise Wrestling. That's R-Y-S-E, in case uh, case you're wanting to look it up. But I've got with me the one and only Lola Bradbury. Lola, how are you today? I'm doing pretty pretty millhouse. Um, A lot of exciting things coming up for Rise Wrestling in the next, actually, next week and a half. So, yeah. I, I, I'm very excited. Uh, a lot of things are going Gucci, if you will, as the kids say. And thank you for having me on. <laughs> no problem. Hey, thanks for being on. I take, uh, you know, we have taken uh, great pleasure in the fact of uh, doing doing a interview segment and stuff like that here for the show. You know, for all five of our listeners or whoever's out there. No, I kid. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, shout uh, out to all five of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we we take it we take it in stride. It's it's small, but it's. Uh, we have fun with it, and who knows, it, it could lead to bigger things one day. Um, That's what so, matters. So uh, now, uh, Lola does uh, interview, uh, interviewing backstage segments and pre-show stuff for Rise. Um, correct, Lola? Yes. Okay. Um, so tell us, uh, all of us, like, kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself, if you would, like, kind of. How you got into how you got into Rise working with them and like kind of what got you into wrestling in the first place and everything like that. Oh gosh, uh, it, if I had like the ability to just montage everything, I would. Um, <laughs> but luckily, I don't have the. Uh, oh god, what's that Will Smith movie uh, where he's like the wing, wingman for Kevin Smith? Oh oh, uh, Hitch. Yeah, like if I just had, like had one of those like hitch montages, but uh, unfortunately I don't. <laughs> um, well, okay, we can we can I, start I, with uh, we we can start with uh, how did you how did you first get uh, get into wrestling? Like what kind of what got you into it? I got into wrestling, I guess, pretty late for most people because uh, like a lot of people watched it like as a kid or like older adults watched it, you know, from the very beginning. Um, I went to my first independent wrestling show in two thousand fourteen. Um, and like just 
for something to do during the summers. Uh, I work concession. I help set up, you know, chairs, help tear down. Um, and it's not fun, like, selling concessions in, like, a sweaty, hot-ass gym. It's disgusting. <laughs> but, like, the experience looking back on it was pretty cool. Um, so I did that for a little while. You know, I was only going to one promotion, one local promotion for uh, until 2017, early 2017. Um, and... I just love the environment. Uh, I it had grown on me. Um, I didn't get watching uh, the WWE product until late 2015, right when AJ debuted at the Rumble. That's really? about the time I came. Yeah, I oh, got wow. in really late. Okay. Um, and I just I love the environment. It was something for me to kind of socialize because I'm mostly I'm still a homebody, but like the only social time I really get is during shows. Um, and the you know the crowd just kind of grew on me. Um. And just the connection of us all enjoying something, watching people beat each other up, um, and just having a good time, I think, was really important and something that I had never experienced before. Um, and then in 2016, I got to go through the curtain for the first time. Um, and that experience was just kind of changed everything for me. Because previously, uh, before I graduated high school, I wanted to be a part of music journalism and a lot of people kind of you know poo-pooed it a little bit saying you know oh it's so hard to get into and this th and that and a lot of like looking back on it, a lot of the music journalists from youtubes were like huge pieces of crap um <laughs> the people who i looked up to at the time who i realized weren't so great people or you know grew to be great people um and i was writing um interviews and and music reviews for my my local school newspaper and I'd always love the kind of interviewer aspect of just the business, right. uh, whether it be in music or, or in news and that sort of thing. One sec. I have to mute my microphone. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, it, it was interesting to hear you say that you got kind of got uh, kind of got into it all late. Um, me, uh, myself, I, I, I mean, I, I was uh, amongst many of the ones that uh, grew up watching it as a kid. I kind of fell out of it for a little while, um, like – Kind of, I would say probably in like my early twenties, like kind of around the time whenever I was in the military, I just didn't have the time and access to watch it all the time or anything like that. Uh, but I actually didn't end up going to my first independent show until uh, just a couple months ago, uh, back in October. Oh, wow. uh, me and the fellows, we went up to uh, up to Clearfield for the IWC Clearfield X show. Oh sweet! And uh, yeah. and uh, I mean, and honestly, that's. Uh, <laughs> kind of that kind of started the whole genesis of i just started reaching out to people and just trying to like um justin Plummer ended up friending me on facebook um the, the manager for iwc so i was like now i started seeing it's like mutual friends or you're in brother <laughs> yeah and it's it was just like it was like oh yeah like so and so is friends with him and i was just like I'll start networking and you're actually one of the ones that I, that I networked with uh, along with a few others and I was just like hey let's do this let's strike the strike up the band on this thing and get these interviews oh, yeah. going on the podcast so um, and and I'm really uh, I was really excited I was really really entertained by the by the independent show um, we were uh, we were front row for that and it, it was a great time uh, you know interacting with all the different wrestlers and stuff like that Um uh you know like it, it, i i my hat's off to uh uh to jackson argos we we uh kind of sing his praises a lot on the uh 
on on the P3 podcast. Uh, he, Canadian, really? Uh, Canadian. Well, hey, just because he's uh, he is the champ, and and honestly, he got a group picture with us. But I I, I uh, commend him for keeping kayfabe, and because uh, we we're like, oh yeah, you had a great match. I actually had a match. Uh, I think it was with. Um, I'm not mistaken. It was with uh, Eon Ninja Facade, um, oh, yeah. and I actually worked with Facade uh, once. Like uh, he was a client of mine, um, and uh, so so I was uh, you know happy to you know just get to talk shop with him a little bit, and um, so you know obviously I went and you know got pictures with Facade and stuff, and he remembered who I was. Got the name wrong, but you know CTEs will do that to you. Um, and, uh, All those hard yeah, and we, uh, and, and we got, yeah, the four of us got a picture with, uh, Jackson and we were like, Hey, you know, great match. We really enjoy it. And he's like, yeah, I'm a fan of me too. I was like, hockey SOB. I love it. Like I, I find myself a lot of times, uh, cheering some heels, but anyways, that's a whole nother, that's a whole when nother, I... uh, tangent there. <laughs> um, so you, so you got, um, so you were doing a lot of stuff with uh, it kind of gearing towards the interview aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, take us through like how you kind of like put, got your foot in the door with Rise doing that. It was really weird. Um, I I got into interviewing just kind of through high school, just as uh, a brief interest where like music was a huge escape for me. I, I really gravitated towards music. I, I, I was one of those kids in high school. Um, I'm so inner emo. Like I haven't gotten rid of that. I haven't grown out of that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I originally uh, I had to leave wrestling in 2017 um, because of health issues and really debilitating um, fibromyalgia, where it just it wears on your entire body. Um, I still deal with that currently with medication and, and working through that. Right. Um, and when I left, it I was heartbroken because wrestling was something new to me and something that I considered you know. Uh, I was a part of in, in terms of being a fan and having that the the close up and personal experience um, and I was heartbroken so I was like I, I didn't want to leave wrestling completely I wanted to find a way where I could still be a part of it and still not lose connections with the people who I had become friends with um, so I just um, I started you know watching everything I could in terms of independent wrestling. I was watching old, you know, old PWG, uh, old Chikara, old New Japan. Like I studied as much as I physically could about, you know, storytelling and cause that was the thing that grabbed me the most. Um, and then I just got my shit together to, to try to figure out how to, to start a podcast of my own. Um, and then I had been picked up by a United Kingdom wrestling podcast, TWM News UK and they were like, yeah, like we, we like what you're doing on Twitter. You know, would you start an interview podcast at, uh, on our network? So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and my very first interview was uh, Shane Taylor, the, oh, really? the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, and he really encouraged me to pursue this path. Uh, he was a huge supporter of mine. Uh, I'm, I'm so close with him. He, he's such a great dude. Um and he was my first interview. And then my last interview for that series was actually Mike Quackenbush. Um, I, sh you know, I, I, I shot you, my shot. You know what? Uh, uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that name because I, I can't remember what it was. We, we do like a little uh, hot tag trivia segment on our, on our podcast. We try to stump each other. Um, and, then we, and then we had uh, put the feelers out there. And we, we have one person uh, who goes by the – who, who prefers to remain anonymous 
in real life, but goes by the moniker of the mid-card maniac. Uh, and we do a little section called Stump the Chumps. Um, so we get, you know, any listeners to send us questions and see if they can stump the collective uh, brain trust of us for. But uh, I-, I swear, I- I'm going to have to ask the guys. I know there was something in one of our hot tag trivias that Mike Quackenbush came up. Like, his name came up. And I was like, is that a real name? They're like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like... That's a legit... Yeah. Yeah, and, and-, and it's... I- I'm... I'm glad I'm interviewing you, and no, uh, no disrespect to Beef the Legend, but uh, if if he were interviewing you, as soon as you started mentioning old PWG, you guys would have your own podcast, like interview, like a full two hour thing, as it were. Anyways, because he would, <laughs> I'm sure he would just pick your brain all day long, because he's he's a big indie uh, indie mark too, as well. So. <laughs> Awesome. Um, it, the last interview I did was Mike Quagenbush for that, the UK uh, interview series I did. Um, and I was like huge, you know, old school Shakara fan, like Stokely Hathaway, Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy. Um, yes, I uh, love Orange Cassidy. I love <laughs> um, just a lot of that, the the comedy and the storytelling aspect of, you know, PWG and, and Shakara at the time, like early 2000s, what is what really you know, grab my attention and what I gravitated towards in terms of enjoyment uh, and taste in wrestling. And I was just like, hey, you know, I would love to work for your company someday. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens, like the the company shtick. And I didn't hear from him until, again, until three months after. And he was like, hey, you know, our our main interviewer guy is going to be out for a wedding on so-and-so date. Do you want to fill in for him? And the only work I had under my belt was an interview series. Like, I, I had no prior experience, um, just me talking crap on Twitter and live tweeting <laughs> and, and doing the podcast. Um, and I was like, uh, I have to get back to you on that. So uh, I discussed it with my parents. I was like, hey, you know, Mike Quackenbush wants us out in Philly. Like, what are we going to do here? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I originally was supposed to go out for King of Trios weekend, but I wasn't able to make it because my dad's work. So we ended up... Um, aiming for it came from beneath the kitchen sink uh on september 20 something last year um and you know we had to make plans and and he he set me up pretty good um and i hadn't been to a show in the span of like almost a year so like i was making my official interviewer debut coming back from all this health junk essentially which was really scary um, so I got to Philly, we, we checked in the hotel, uh, and I literally stumbled into Shikara because when you enter the building, there is a step up cause it's in like an industrial kind of neighborhood okay. and all the buildings are kind of like put together. So I physically trip into Shikara oh, and no. like, uh, their costume designer, uh, Roy Gulak, uh, solo darling and a good handful of other Shikara talent just immediately looked at me. And I hear, is that that girl from Twitter? And I'm like, oh, God. Like, oh, no. what do they know about me that I don't know about myself? Because they're staring physically into my soul. Um, and it was really cool. They were really, really welcoming to, you know, what I was doing and, and my hard work that I had put in. Uh, and it's so surreal when you hear it. Because Rory Gulak and Drew Gulak are, like, essential Shikara legends. Um, same with, like... Oh no, and and all all the others, and he's like, yeah, I really enjoy your work. You're doing a great job, and it's like, dude, like Rory Gulak likes my work. Now, okay, like that- I, I was actually just about to ask if if Rory Gulak Rory Gulak was any uh, 
um, you know, relation or uh, somehow associated with Drew Gulak. Because um, I, I, admittedly, I'm not, I'm not very knowledgeable on the indie scene, um, uh, and and I, I'm hoping to change that. But you know, between like, you know, again, reaching out to you and other people in the independent scene and going to see more shows, actually. Uh, by the time this, by the time this one, uh, this particular interview and on the episode airs, um, this Saturday is uh, there's a IWC event, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic, and I'm hoping I'm actually gonna go online today and look up tickets and take the kids down there for their first indie show, and that's actually gonna be my daughter's birthday present. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and so I had done the Shikara stuff. And everyone was asking me if I was going to come back. Uh, Juan Francisco asked, and like uh, a bunch of others, uh, I unfortunately haven't been able to get back. Um, but then after, you know, officially making my debut and physically and mentally coming back into wrestling, I, the bug bit me. Like I wanted to do more. Yeah. Um, Cause like, I'm not able to travel. So I wanted to see locally if I could get my, my foot in the door anywhere. Right. So I had previously seen flyers for Rise just when I first started getting into wrestling and going to like uh, look Wendy shows, but I never really looked into it more because I didn't have the access. Um, and then I was like, I remember this place. And then I saw if they had a Twitter and I reached out and said, hey, you know, I, I, I'm trying to get my foot in the door and, and become an interviewer locally. Like, do you guys need a backstage interviewer? And... Like an hour afterwards, uh, I get a message from the previous head of talent, Marcus Mann. He's like, "Hey, you know, I saw I saw you reach out. Um, send me some of your perfor- work portfolio." God, that's so hard to say. And I'm an interviewer <laughs> for a living. Um, <laughs> I, I, hey, I, like, I swear. Don't feel bad. Uh, <laughs> our very own Beef Legend is an English major, and he can't English for shit. So it's okay. <laughs> we I get on him all the time about it. All the time. <laughs> I'm surprised I can even English straight half the time. Um, <laughs> and so I had sent him the portfolio of my my podcast and a clip for me interviewing Mick Moretti from the Shakara show. And like the only clip I had from Shakara was with Mick Moretti. And I'm like a deer in the headlights. Like when as an interviewer, you, you know, you should really reach out to the people you're interviewing to get information or any any new updates yeah so you have all the records right and i previously went up to mick and i was like hey you know i'm interviewing you tonight is there anything i need to know and i got the information when it comes time for me to live interview him on the shikara shikara website stream he grabs me nearly knocks me off my feet and starts singing to me that's the only clip of shikara work that i had <laughs> wow and i got hired on that clip alone for rise that's which awesome. still shocks me because it was the most awkward thing looking back on it um but the fact that marcus you know um believed in me or saw something in me was really really cool um so he's like yeah come out to a show see what you think and then we'll talk um and i believe my first rise show was either i think my first rise show was last october um so and I loved it. You know, we run out of the old Lower Mall movie theater uh, in Lamont Furnace. Okay. And I remember going seeing movies as a kid. I actually went to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, forever ago there. Um, so it was immediate nostalgia for me. 
Um, and they utilize, you know, the movie projection screen. They utilize the movie, the movie speakers. Like they have a lot going for them in terms of, you know, differentiating themselves and really being inclusive to everyone, which is I, I immediately loved. Um, so I talked to Marcus afterwards, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we discussed, you know, the the biz, if you will." Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, well, you start in December." And December last year was our second anniversary show. So I had about a year and a half worth of research to go back on to do notes for when I first started. Oh, wow. So I had to learn all the history in three months' time of Rise Wrestling. That's, which, that's pretty like, damn impressive right there. <laughs> it was – oh, my God. It The one thing I love about my job – it's not really a job, but, like, I, it, I enjoy it so much and I get to, you know – basically be a storyteller for the people in the locker room, you know, informing people, Hey, this is what you missed or, and, and finding creative ways to go about showing people and telling people what they missed. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's really cool that I can be the conveyor, uh, if you will, of things. And one thing I do have to give a shout out to Lee Moriarty because he really vouched for me, um, to get me hired at rise. And he, he's, been a really cool mentor a lot of people in the rise wrestling locker room um when i first started uh have been really great mentors um when i my first rise show that i actually started uh super hentai was around for building up his match with brandon k for the the second anniversary show and he immediately like took me under his wing which was really awesome because having a veteran of you know pittsburgh professional independent wrestling since the 90s taking you under their wing says a lot oh, it yeah. speaks volumes that's that's um, a big deal any any time you know to uh, to use the term to you know anytime you can get the rub from uh you know whoever that's that's a that's a huge compliment and especially you know uh, especially somebody being uh you know local like that and just you're you're new to this all and everything like that that's a, that's a huge uh that's a huge compliment and uh that's really awesome that he was able to do that for you yeah, like it completely caught me off guard because I, if you don't know me, I'm very, very shy. Uh, wrestling has changed that. Wrestling has ruined me for the better in that aspect. No, that's um, awesome. That's that's great. It, it It's so cool just because, you know, I get to be in an environment where we're all out to help each other because local wrestling can be very competitive and very kind of catty. Uh, on occasion and it's like we're all doing the same thing and why not help each other and we do that at rise um and with rise too you know we break boundaries of intergender wrestling we we showcase intergender wrestling we we are very inclusive to everyone we we don't discriminate we don't turn someone away right um and it's like you can come to rise wrestling for a good two and a half hours and escape no matter who you are where you come from um, well, now uh, that that leads us actually into a very good topic. Um, saying, uh, seeing as how you got into uh, that, you kind of got into the wrestling and watching and everything like that. You said around like 2015, you're kind of uh, you kind of missed out on all the uh, the old stuff that a lot of the female wrestlers uh, had to go through and stuff like that, or how they were being utilized. How I should say, how poorly they were being utilized. Um, and and I'll I'll say admittedly for a while, um, at least watching like the WWE product, if there was a time where there was a quote unquote divas match on, and that and that I think really speaks volumes too. Whenever they changed it from you know the divas title to the women's title, I think that was a I think that you know was 
Uh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, you know, back whenever it was still the Divas title and there was a quote-unquote Divas match, it was like, all right, bathroom break. I'll I'll be the first one to admit that. It just, there wasn't a lot of, they, they didn't give them the opportunity to have a lot of good storytelling and stuff like that. And uh, so you kind of got in like right around the time with the whole uh, like women's uh, women's evolution, revolution, stuff like that going on. Uh, so tell us a little bit about like your experience, you know, just being a woman in the industry and stuff like that. Even, uh, you know, regardless if it's a talent or a backstage uh, interviewer, uh, I'm sure there's I'm, I'm sure there's some challenges I'm sure that you face, you know, in one way or another. Correct. Uh Oh boy, this is a loaded <laughs> conversation, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, uh, such we, a we loaded don't... conversation. No, that's okay. We don't we don't have to get we don't have to get too too crazy into it. But I, but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm sure there are I'm sure there are some cases where you know there there is uh, how should I say there there are certain challenges that I'm sure that women talent are facing the industry. It, it's I'll 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 even put it to this uh, to this comparison. Um, I do I have like video game stream page. And as far as like female streamers go, um, a lot of times the perception of a female streamer, especially like over on Twitch or something like that, is that they're basically sitting there with their cleavage hanging out and it's like, oh, okay, look at me. And I actually know some like very, very talented, you know, good female streamers um, that I've come to know through like Facebook and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing there's some sort of correlation. I'm, I'm you know, that that's how I can you it um what's what's your experience um let me preface pre preface this i can't i still can't english that's okay <laughs> uh, i'm more like i have an hour into this um let me preface this by saying that i have been incredibly lucky to have the opportunities i i, I i've gotten with rise and, and the creative ability to showcase uh what i'm able to do and help the locker room um rise is very very accepting and very very you know supportive to you know if you're a dude or chick in the locker room uh rise is not it, it is a it is it's a safe space for everyone to enjoy what they love and support each other right like no matter what um and but when i first got into wrestling and and you know podcasting and everything else um people people were really shitty, you know, like just the general, you know, Twitter community, obviously. Um, and even locally I, when I first started, um, it was like, you know, oh, you don't know shit about wrestling or you're only doing this because you have a pretty face. Um, and I tweet about it a lot because my one of my first experiences when I left something very, very toxic um, before I knew what the wrestling community truly was, um, People told me and harassed me for a little over a year telling me I'd be nothing without a man's help or nothing without, you know, showing my body or, or wow. anything else like that. Um, and it still really messes with me and, and drives me to become and make wrestling a better place for, you know, pave the way for uh, younger girls behind me or, or that sort of thing. Um, and the people thing, really... I was going to say, the, the thing is, is like, it, you look at it nowadays and I mean... I, I watch a lot of women's matches that, you know, they outshine the guys or the storylines better mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, the characters better. Or um, you look at somebody, um, you know, on commentary or backstage interviewing and stuff like that. Um, you know, like uh, like somebody like Renee Young. I When I heard that she wasn't on the Fox commentary team whenever they moved SmackDown on to Friday nights, mm -hmm. I was like, are you out of your damn minds? Like, she's she's awesome. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, it's just, again, it's it's one of those things 
uh, you know, I'm a firm believer if, you know, it, it doesn't matter uh, what your background is, what, you know, what, what your gender is or anything like that. Like, if you can do the job that if you're the mm -hmm. best person suited for the job, then that's then that's it. You know, plain and simple. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different branch offs and kind of psychological, you know, explanations to why people are the way they are in terms yeah. of being you know, very toxic in wrestling. Oh, that that's, uh, a, that's a whole nother, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother oh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without getting into too much. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And when, like when I first started, I did the work. I, my work ethic is very different from a lot of people's work ethic. I, you know, I take a full month between shows to prepare for the next. I don't give myself any time off to do much like wrestling is my main focus right now because I was belittled and harassed and, and stalked and, and a lot of horrible things when I first got into trying to get my foot in the door in, in terms of you know wrestling podcast where it was a solid force to drive me to prove everyone wrong because when you are coming in to any sort of industry with a sexualized um oh, i'm trying to think of the word um perception yeah of say, your gender that kind of, that kind of the mindset like you know that uh, for for the longest time you, you're again you're coming into a, a typically male-dominated uh mm -hmm. field and stuff like that um same thing with the streaming community um on the inverse side i i kind of get uh you know it's I've kind of gotten this, uh, I, I'm, I've been fortunate with my job as a massage therapist, but you look at that like uh, massage therapy, nursing, stuff like that. That's typically a more of a female dominated field. So you kind of get some there's kind of some different perceptions about that, too. But coming into a male dominated uh, field, you have that perception like, oh, well, you know, females are you know, the only good. They're better as valets or whatever or managers and stuff like that, you know, and obviously oh, yeah. uh, you know people like yourself and uh and other you know other uh, female wrestlers and stuff like that are proving everybody completely wrong with it that even think that way you know what i mean yeah and, and the thing is there when you come into a male dominated field as a female you have all the odds stacked against you no matter what no matter how much work you put in or time or or blood sweat and crying you put in yeah um it, no one cares unless you one stand up for yourself and not take any crap and two if you put in the work and prove that you can be great at what people think you're just there to be a face or a valet or a manager um when i first got wanted to be in wrestling people told me oh you're so pretty you should be a valet blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like yeah but one, that's so oversaturated and the perception of valets anymore is kind of horrible. Um, and, you know, I've heard a lot of stories where when people came in as valets, they weren't treated fairly whatsoever. They were treated like garbage. Oh, I don't doubt um, that at all. I don't doubt that and, at all. And, you know, there there is three different things um, perception-wise that you're kind of stacked against when you come into wrestling as a female. One your work ethic, two, your body image, and three, especially your body image, and three, you know, dealing with those quote-unquote boys who still have that very old-school mindset, like the, the yeah. Tessa Blanchard and the Sandman stuff that just recently came up 
not even a couple days ago. Um, those are three things that you're really truly working against. I, I um, actually just heard about that. I, I was uh, um, I was actually I was dropping off the I was drop, dropping off my kids on the bus this morning. Um, I think it might have been. Oh no, it, actually no, it was a little bit after that. I was in the car. I had to make a quick errand. And uh, and I heard the tail end of uh, something about that, about the same man making comments saying that he doesn't feel like that. It, correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't feel like that uh, a, the majority of wrestling fans were ready for uh, females to like main event stuff. Is that basically uh, what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, um, and, 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 and I, I, I caught a little bit, but then I was like getting out of the car, so I had to turn it off. I, I guess he was more or less saying he's like, He's like, I'm not saying that's he from what he's saying. Supposedly, that's not his. Uh, like, he doesn't feel that way that he's not ready for it, but he feels like a lot of people are in that mindset, which I can see because there there are a lot of people in that old school mentality, or you know, uh, or mm -hmm. have some sort of old school mentality one way or the other that they feel like uh, I, I'm not going to give him too much time or pray. I'm not going to give many praise, honestly, but uh, like you know, the Jim Cornette mindset. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll leave it at that. Okay. But you get there. There definitely is some things stacked against you, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like that, um, you know, uh, things are uh, uh, definitely a lot better than when you first came in and are, definitely have some good opportunities there in rise. That and you have to find the right people to click with that appreciate you for oh, your yeah. work and who you are. Absolutely. Um, that is a big part of it, too. And one thing I find really funny, um, and then I'll get to actually the, the Rise of the Anniversary show next weekend. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when I first came in as an interviewer, I wanted to prove my work ethic uh, with all the time and, and research I put in an in, in organization uh, that is an also a big thing too. Like, if you're gonna do a job like this, you need to be organized and over prepared at all costs. In, in case, like, if technical difficulties happen with live streaming on the the Rise Wrestling pre-show, you have to always have different mediums as a backup to convey stories and, and notes or or slideshow <coughs> presentations. Like, you always have to be prepared for anything and everything. Um, that I think, like, I'm an OCD overthinker, yep. so that kind of plays into it. Um, like, preach, I'm always preach on, sister. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I'm always prepared, no matter what. Um, and one thing too, uh, a lot of people there, you uh, when you see interviewers on television, they always have a certain style or um, a perception of style, and it's like there's a perception that you have to come in with, like, you know glitter or or just really really girly stuff which isn't a bad thing whatsoever um but when i came in you know uh, when i first came into another promotion that i'm not with anymore i was told i had to dress a certain way oh wow I, okay um and i was like you know pardon my french but fuck that honestly <laughs> oh no it's we like, we don't care we we oh yeah there there are no french needs to be pardoned on this yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's so absurd where it's like after I left that company, I was like, I'm going to dress the way I'm going to dress. I'm going to bring my weird personality and style into my clothing. And if you see on like my Instagram and stuff, like I, you know, all like the, the old school, like 90 stuff or, or, you know, bold prints or like different color. It, I, I expand my wardrobe and convey my personality through my wardrobe. Right. Um, and it's like, I, I, I'm by no means skinny. So I break, 
the barrier of what a girl of my size should be wearing. And I think that's really important too for people to see that you're confident wearing whatever you want to wear in a business setting, obviously. Um, and I just think it's really important that you stay true to who you are when you come into wrestling. Um, don't be a shitty person, obviously, but stay true to who you are because if you try to change anything and everything about yourself, you're going to lose passion. Um, and I almost did for a good while um, because I was so mentally burnt out. And it's like when I accepted the fact that I needed to stand up for myself and be who I was and not change anything, that really changed the game for me uh, as a, in a mental mentality or yeah, in a mental mentality. Right. No, and I, I, I definitely agree with you. That's one of the things that it, like, um, you know, you, you hear so many times from different wrestlers and stuff, you know, if they lack the creative freedom and they just feel like they're pigeon held in and being told to do this or do that and they don't get to express themselves, they, they lose the passion for that. We've, we've uh, mm -hmm. talked about that a number of times. You look at somebody like, you know, you look at somebody like CM Punk, look at, uh, you know, uh, John Moxley's exodus out of, uh, you know, out of WWE and, and into AEW. He, he didn't even look at the contract they offered him. Um, you know, it, it just because he wanted that creative freedom, that's, he wasn't getting it. And, uh, that's what he had to do. So, um, now you had mentioned, uh, Rise's, uh, anniversary show coming up. So tell us a little bit about that real quick before we, uh, close out of here. We're going through the teething phase of Rise. We're in our third anniversary. Um, it's going to be really fun. Um, a lot of things have been going down in Rise Wrestling as of lately. Uh, over the past year, you know, Marcus Mann stepping away as head of talent and taking a backstage role. Um, uh, the Gavo David Lawless and Jim Sterling, uh, host of the Jimquisition, have been fighting over who's going to take over that general manager position. Um, Jim Sterling challenged David Lawless to a fight. And let's be honest, David Lawless is going to go out kicking and screaming no matter what. So that's gonna be pretty fun to watch um and what's really cool also uh with rise wrestling you know me kind of taking creative freedom um and organization over the rise uh facebook live pre-show i'm always finding different things to do to keep things fresh whether it be uh interviews or or the setup or just in general making it's something to pay attention to uh, to catch you up on what you miss and rise. Uh, we are going to have a full four-person panel this time around. Uh, usually it's myself and Benjamin C. Steele, who is occasionally a pain in my side. Uh, he's a little he's a little odd, but he, he's grown on me and taught me a lot, uh, especially about MySpace, which I don't understand why he still has one of those. But that's besides the point. He still has a MySpace. Holy crap. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I ever technically ever deleted mine, so it could still be floating out there somewhere in the, the nether realm of this of the cyberverse. But I, wow, I that's wow. <laughs> he, he that's the best way to describe BC Stale, honestly. <laughs> um, but I decided. Uh, usually it's him and I. Uh, but since we are celebrating the third anniversary, I wanted to bring our own commentary team onto the panel to discuss uh, the past year in Rise and get their thoughts on a couple of matches um, just to kind of have that feel of new opinions and fresh opinions uh, in addition to uh, mine and BC's. Um, so we're going to have Pittsburgh legend Paul Atlas um, and Jim LaMotta uh, joining us for that pre-show, which is going to be really interesting. Um, I just honestly want to hear Paul Atlas insult the guy with David Lawless, and that's like a big selfish reason of mine. <laughs> um, 
And it's going to be really fun. Uh, no matches have been announced officially yet, but the ones I do know of happening um, are, and I have the notes in front of me. See, I'm go. always prepared. There you go. Uh, System Elite versus the main event. Uh, seven months ago, we had our first um, tag team tournament to crown the first ever Rise Tag Team Champions. And System Elite at the time were good guys. And, you know, they were constantly getting cheated up out of opportunity after opportunity by the main event. And um, now, in the- uh, but, uh, quick interjection, main uh, the same main event who are currently the Impact and IWC Tag Team Champions. Yep. Awesome. Okay. See, I at least know that one. We're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and during the finals, System Elite turned the tables on everyone. Uh, they cheated to win. They ran off with the tag team titles in a getaway car, which was revealed to be driven by the Reaper Matt Connard. Their attitude has basically kind of uh, stung everyone in the locker room who they considered friends. Um, they don't necessarily like me. I'm a little bit of the uh, annoying little sister in the locker room when I, I have to interview them. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a big deal because the main event haven't been in Rise up until seven months ago. So okay. a little bit of a homecoming for them. Um, and the the question really is, no one has been able to kind of find a crack in System Elite's plan uh, for retaining those titles. So I, I generally wonder if the main event will be the ones to finally dethrone System Elite. That would be, um, that would be pretty amazing, especially... A- uh, depending on what happens, I, I think um, you, you said when uh, when is the show again? Is it the 14th? Yes. Okay, so they very well could be holding titles across three different companies at that point if they if they retain on uh, if they retain uh, at IWC and Impact up until then. That that would be a pretty big feat. It'd be pretty impressive. Yeah, the main event. You know, they are workhorses. They travel anywhere and everywhere to get the goal and show what they're capable of as a tag team. And System Elite has kind of turned Rise into a playground, Okay. honestly. Um, we're getting Honey Badger versus Christian Noir. Um, Christian Noir and Grindhouse have caused a lot of pain for a lot of people in Rise. They want to ruin everything good that the fans want. They want to bring things down and very dark and very eerie and scary and not – you know, cheesy horror films, scary. Like, they legit want to ruin everything for everyone, no matter if it means hurting anyone in the process, which they attacked Brandon K's wife, Christy, a couple months ago. Like, they're not above anything. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, uh, I've had my, my dealings with Grindhouse. Um, and someone has been sending these graphic images and messages to Christian Noir, you know, Ted Bundy things and, and people being lynched and eaten alive. Like, it's some graphic stuff. Um, and that person is Honey Badger, who's had their fair share of dealings with Christian and wants to get revenge. Um, and we have never seen Christian Noir run away from anything. And the thing is also, he's very dangerous, but when he's back into a wall, who knows what he's going to do, which worries me. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting to see if Badger has completely thrown Christian off his game because no one has ever done that in Rise. Um, the return of Sean Phoenix, 
who's also from IWC, right. um, he, he posed an open challenge that has yet to be answered. Um, he's making his official rise comeback at the anniversary show. He's never wrestled for rise on an anniversary show. So it's a, it's a huge comeback for him. Um, and that's pretty much all I am aware of, uh, for the time being, uh, match graphics should be out fairly soon. Uh, cause I got to get my notes done for that. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be, you know, celebrating three years of Rise, uh, a company that is, is changing the game uh, in local independent uh, pro wrestling, you know, in terms of, you know, showcasing that intergender wrestling, showcasing, you know, anyone and, uh, anyone and everyone is welcome to join us and, and enjoy wrestling and have that support of the Rise family behind them, uh, which it, I felt very, very deeply in this past year. I've been with Rise for a year now, which is insane to think that they took a chance on me and to see, you know, they've really helped me step up my creative game in terms of what I'm capable of doing um, creatively and, and just helping, you know, with interviews and just, kind of being myself being a weirdo but also helping them convey and, and be a storyteller right no well that's uh that's awesome and uh again for uh for those that may be wondering uh the uh, if you want to give us the rundown uh you know where they can get tickets uh bell time stuff like that for the anniversary show it's on uh december 14th that would be yes. a saturday um, yes. so what, uh, what is bell time and where can people get tickets? And, uh, if they want to, if they want to come see this. Well, we are located at 1952 university drive, Lamont furnace, Pennsylvania. Uh, you can, I believe contact for tickets on the rise wrestling Facebook page, but tickets are also available at the door. Bell time is seven 30. Uh, and during the winter, we usually open doors a little bit earlier. Uh, we don't have an exact time. It just depends on how cold it gets. Uh, I recommend, getting there by a quarter after six, depending if you feel like waiting. Um, but yes, that's where you can get tickets. You can also follow us on Twitter at rise underscore wrestling. Same uh, on Instagram where we post interviews and promos and match graphics where you can catch up on the full history um, of what you might have missed in Rise Wrestling, you can catch uh, the previous pre-shows with myself and Benjamin C. Still on the Rise Facebook page. Um, and I'm always posting stuff about Rise on my Twitter as well, which is at Lola underscore Bradbury. So, yeah, just keep in touch with us on, over social media. Um, bring your friends. Come join us next weekend um, and celebrate with us. Well, that sounds awesome. And I'm, I'm actually going to have to start doing that because, I, like I said, I want to immerse myself more in the indie scene because, uh, again, it, we, we say this, and I, not to sound cliche, but you never know the future stars of tomorrow that you might see on your TV are coming like right Wardlow. from – What's that? Which is like Wardlow debuting yeah. on All Elite Wrestling. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That's Absolutely, yeah. War, uh, Wardlow, uh, yeah, uh, Brian Cage, um, yeah, lots of different people. Britt Baker. Uh, so yeah, I mean, every you never know. Uh, going to that indie show, you might see somebody you know uh, a couple years from then that that they're the next uh, breakout star in in whatever promotion, whether it's WWE, NXT, NWA Power, uh, Impact. You, you never know. Ring of Honor. Uh, but I, I, Hey, I gotta, uh, I gotta get heading out the door here, but I want to thank, uh, I want to thank Lolo for her time. So thank you, Lola. And, uh, I look forward to finding out a little bit more about rise and hopefully I'll make it out to catch a show and, uh, hopefully catch you out at the shows. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on to discuss everything. All right. Thank you. And, uh, 
we'll uh we'll talk to Lola again hopefully hopefully again in the near future. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Mm.